How's that? Good morning. <laughs> okay, well, they're handing out some cards this morning, the teenagers are, and these are from the book of Luke. They'll help us, I think, in our study of the book of Luke. They're going to help us with uh, an action step that we'll talk about today that maybe God will help you with this week. Just before we preach the word and look at uh, the book of Luke in chapter 13, I, I, I just guess I would ask you this question, where do elders come from? Where do elders come from? Do they, do they come from Elder, Texas? They like grow them up over there like plants or something, you know, and then they grow up, you know, perfect over there or something, and then they move all over and they become elders. No, they, they just grow up among us. And, and we've been doing some leadership studies uh, throughout this year in 2013 and been doing those on some Sunday afternoons. And so uh, I want to invite all of you men to come today at four o'clock and take about 45 minutes to 60 minutes of your day to think about how can I equip the people around me that I'm leading? Because elders don't become elders when they become elders. Elders become elders a long time before that. And then the church finally recognizes, wow, that person's leading. And, and whether you ever become an elder or not, if you're a man, you've got some leading to do. And so I'm inviting you to be a part of this short time together today. Invest 45 minutes to 60 minutes. Four o'clock right here in the fellowship hall. Uh, I hope you'll be here. The name Jesus. The name Jesus. Say it out loud on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus. One more time. One, two, three. Jesus. Isn't that a good name? It's a good name. And I don't know about you, but there's, I, I, sometimes I go through my weeks and I don't really exactly say the name Jesus very often. I don't know if you think about that. I, I'm, not try, I'm, not, I, I'm not saying I should feel bad about it or I feel guilty. I think about Jesus every day. And he is the Lord of my life. But I think there's times when I go through a whole week and his, his name is never across my lips. Maybe when we come to church and we sing the name of Jesus. But I've wondered sometimes before, I've thought, I wonder if actually the world says the name Jesus more than Christians do. Because they use it as a curse word. Jesus Christ? They say it not, not with respect. And, and so, I, I want us to think a little bit today, as we read this story, and as we think about our church family, your church family, those of you that are visiting from Texas and other places, I want us to think a little bit today about the name of Jesus coming across our lips, and maybe the name of Jesus coming through our lives in some other ways that are pretty awesome. Um... Just before we get into Luke chapter 13, I have to ask you if you ever feel weary. I have to ask you if you ever feel tired. You ever been sick so long that you're just sick and tired of being sick? Ever felt that way? You ever been weary of struggling with the pains of this life, the disappointments and the failures and the heartbreaking stuff? You ever felt weak and worn out from your own temptations and from the weight of life that is on your back and from going through the motions of the daily routine? Have you guys ever felt this? Because I think it's pretty universal. And if so, 
then Luke wrote this story down on paper for you. The person in our text today who encountered Jesus as we go through this study of the book of Luke and look at 12 episodes of people who encountered Jesus, this woman was sick and weak. 18 years of physical bondage, of crippling illness that had left her bent over, weary, and some days probably wishing that the end would come. One day she went to church. And while she was there, Jesus touched her. Jesus spoke words of hope. That was a good day. The day that this woman encountered Jesus. So let's read about her, but let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us first. God, we, uh, we thank you for your word. And we ask you to teach us today. Lord, you, you are good at orchestrating timing. And it is, uh, I, don't, I don't believe it's a coincidence that we're studying this text today on the day when many of us are sad because of our sister is, uh, is in a tough place because Nancy is, is in this uh, coma because John and his kids have to be there today and And God, I, I just have to say that as our tears pour out of our eyes, as our hearts are sad, we're also full of hope. We're full of hope today, God, because, um, because we're not ignorant. We're not ignorant about the people who fall asleep, like Nancy. We're grieving today, God, but we're not grieving like, like everybody else in the world. We're not grieving like people who have no hope. Because we believe that Jesus died. And we believe with all of our hearts that Jesus rose from the dead. And so we believe, God, that you are going to bring Nancy back with you when you meet us in the air. And we give you praise for that. And we thank you for that today. We thank you for that hope. And although we're sad and going to miss terribly, going to miss Nancy, oh God, thank you. Thank you for this day, this day that she, most likely today, will see Christ face to face in the very near future. Help us to be ready, God, and know that this could be our day, any day, Today, before this service is over, could be our time. You could come get us while I'm praying this prayer before I get finished. Help us to be ready, God. Ready with hearts turned towards you. We love you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Luke chapter 13 is our text today. Luke chapter 13 and verse 10 is where we will start reading. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, 
You are set free from your infirmity. And then he put his hand on her, and immediately she straightened up and she praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. And the Lord answered him, You hypocrites. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or your donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, should she not be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? And when he said this, all the opponents, all his opponents were humiliated. But the people were delighted with all the wonderful things that Jesus was doing. We're going to spend our time in this text really just thinking a lot about this woman and a lot about Jesus. The word for sick that is in the Greek text, the original language that this was written in, can also be translated as feeble or frail or weak or holding up trials or burdens. And certainly the translators have chosen the best uh, word here that she was sick. But these other things apply as well to the work that God does. And I'm probably just stating the obvious, which I'm really good at. And that is, this text reminds us that Jesus cares about people who are sick. Jesus cares about people who are feeble and frail and weak and facing trials and struggling. Jesus cares. We see all throughout the the whole New Testament, we see Jesus helping people when they come to ask him for help. Think of all the people who came and fell down at his feet and begged for healing. Think about the people who brought people and dropped them through the roof or, or came and, and said, my, my servant, my daughter, please come help my mother-in-law. They begged Jesus and they asked and he responded because he cares about sick people. He cares about people who are frail and weak and struggling And one of the great things about this text is that we learn that not only does Jesus help people who come to ask him for help, Jesus helps people who don't ask. Do you know that? Do you see that in this text? This woman didn't ask. She didn't ask for any help. And we see other people in Luke chapter 6, a man with a withered hand. He didn't ask, but Jesus healed him. In Luke 14, he healed a man with a shriveled hand. Didn't ask. We look in the book of John, John chapter 5, the invalid at the pool. He didn't ask for help, but Jesus saw him and he helped him anyways. John 9, a man who had been born blind did not ask Jesus for help, but Jesus healed him. And I want to tell you today, if you're sick, if you're feeble, if you're weak, if you're frail, if you're struggling, I want to tell you this, the right thing to do is to ask God for help, to ask God for healing. That's the right thing for us to do, but I want you to hear this clearly, even Today, if you're just too weary to even ask, God is still helping you. God is still helping you. Because that's the kind of God he is. You may or may not be able to see it, but that's what God is doing. Psalm 136 says that his love endures forever, that even in our low estate, that he reaches down and helps us Even when we're weak and weary and tired and sick and tired, he still just reaches right down and all that. And he's the kind of God who helps us. That's an important thing for us to know and believe about our God. 
in this study that we're doing in the book of Luke, we're also asking God to help us, all of us right here today, to be the body of Christ on this earth. We're asking God to help us to encounter people like Jesus encountered people. To step into their lives with purpose. To step into people's lives with the heart of Jesus. We're asking God, would you do that in us, God? Would you change our selfishness and our pettiness and our little angers and jealousy and all that stuff that's inside us? Would you just, would you just help us to wash that away in the grace of, of your Son? And would you help us to walk out into this world and stop thinking about ourselves like Jesus? Would you let us see other people with Jesus' eyes? Would you let us treat people the way Jesus treated people? And so what does this mean? Well, it means this. It means if Jesus cared about sick people, so do we. So do we. We care about sick people. And what does this text mean? It means that if Jesus cared about sick people without them asking for help, guess what? So do we. We find ways to care for people who are sick and weary and frail and struggling. We find ways without being asked. Man, that's important. Because a lot of sick people, a lot of weak people have been that way for so long that they've sort of made peace with it. And, and they're not necessarily even in the habit any longer of trying to imagine anything else. And who can blame people who, who are in that place? And they, they've just tried and tried and tried and finally they're just like, this is just my life. Can we offer them our energy to do some of the thinking for them? Can we be creative about helping people without them having to ask us to help? Can we do that? Your card today, if you look at it, it has a mission statement on it. It says, it, your mission is, should you choose to accept it? It's our little way of trying to be like Mission Impossible. It's probably the closest we'll get, I guess. And so, if, if you should choose to accept your mission, this is it. And I don't have it memorized, but basically it says... Make something good. Make a pie or make some cookies or make some, get some fruit together and take it to somebody who's shut in or who's sick or who's discouraged or who's weak or who's frail. Take it to them today or this week. And, and spend some time with them. Share with them. Spend some time and praise God together about the good things he's doing. Why do we put that here? Do we put it here because we think pie is the cure-all? Well, maybe pecan pie but probably not. It won't cure everything. We don't think pie is the cure-all. We just put it there because we wanted to be specific and give you something, a specific step to take. And I think that's one of the most important things about being Jesus in people's lives because this is what I say, and I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to guess you say the same thing. Pardon me if I'm wrong. Hey, let me know anything I can do. I'll, I'll be glad to help you. Just give me a call. Anything you need, I'm there. And you know what? When I say those words, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. And you know what happens? They never call. Ever. It's human nature. It's, it's nice. It's, I'm thankful when people say that to me. It means a lot. I'm like, man, they care. But I'm not going to pick up the phone and say, I need somebody to walk my dog. I am sick, and I need you to come walk, walk my dog. I'm not going to call and tell you that. So, can we be, can we be 
more specific? What are some things we could do for people who are seriously ill or weak or frail or feeble or struggling? What could we do? Let me just give you a few ideas. And then you keep adding to it. Maybe one of these or a couple of them hit your heart. and You think, wow, my friend, I could do that. Maybe, maybe a, a good book. Jump on Amazon or go down to the bookstore and drop a good book. Buy to a friend. Maybe a video of a great movie. Stop by and drop it off. Keep your visit short so that you don't exhaust people that are already feeling bad. This isn't about you, it's about them. Maybe burn a CD of some of your favorite songs, some great worship music and take it by. Offer to help with just day-to-day stuff. Stuff that needs to be done. Maybe a trip to the grocery store. Or dare I say Walmart. No greater love hath a friend than another friend to go to Walmart for them, all right? Doing a load of laundry, bringing some food by, walking the dog. When you're at the grocery store, to think about people beside yourself. We all have cell phones. Grab your cell phone. That person, hey, I'm, at, I'm at right here at the store. What do you need? I'll stop by your house on the way. How can I help? I, I'm picking my kids up at school. I know they're not feeling good. Hey, on my way, I'll just call. I, I, don't worry about it. I got your kids. I'm getting mine. I'll get your kids. Drop them off at the house. How about a gift basket with some fruit or granola bars, magazines, a deck of cards, some candies, a pack of thank you cards, maybe some stamps, a notebook and a pen. Be creative. Here's a great one. Some of you have built up frequent flyer miles. Some of you got so many frequent flyer miles, you don't even know what to do with it. You're trying to imagine what you're going to do with it. You're trying to think and, and be creative. What can I do with that? Let me give you a creative idea. You know some sick people? It'd be great. It'd be a blessing if their family could fly to come see them. How about if you donate those frequent flyer miles to that sick family, to that feeble person, to those people that are struggling, to those weak people? There's all kinds of places on the internet that are amazing that you can go and you could set up, you could set up something for someone who lives a long way away to say, I'm going to take care of that person's meals two states away that i love that's in my family or a friend every thursday night i found a caterer and they're going to drop it by every thursday night i can't be there but that's what i'm going to do and you can actually set up things on the internet and if you're interested in finding out more about that i'll tell you where several family and friends could do that i got tuesday okay i got thursday we got saturday and once a month we'll make sure flowers get delivered all that can be done over the phone through the internet, you order all kind of stuff on the internet, like a new pair of shoes, or a new golf club, or, or a new pot or pan. I mean, you do all that all the time. We can use that for great, creative, wonderful ways to bless people's lives. And boy, do we have a lot of opportunities. What's that scripture that says that God has, God has created in advance good works for us to do? Isn't that cool? To think that today, when you leave here, at some point, God actually thought of you, and he thought, I'm going to make a good work for you to do when you leave here today. And it's out there. It's there. We have lots of opportunities in this church family right now. The Bowers family we've been talking about today. John and Rita Kiker in Albuquerque right now. And he's having radiation treatments for several weeks. 
Bill and Fadine Woolley. I don't see them here today. Boy, we've got opportunities to love on them. Janice and Bill Polk. Jerry and Pat Holder. Gary and Angela Coleman. And those are just people that are struggling with physical things. There's lots of people. Look around a little bit. Get outside of your selfish self. And I don't mean to call all of you selfish, but I'm just saying I, we all tend to do that. We all tend to think about me all day. Get out of that and look around and look at the people around you and realize there are people with emotional and relational and spiritual weariness and weakness that's just as real and painful as the physical stuff. Greg Carey sent me a text. They're out of town. And I don't know if he was at a church somewhere and read this or heard a preacher say it. But he sent me a text this morning on my phone that said, church can be a lot like a football game with 22 people on the field working really hard who need a break and 22,000 people in the stands who really need to get in shape. And I thought, that church can be like that, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to talk for a second. I, I apologize to you visitors. I'm going to talk to you guys here at Gateway for just a second. I'm going to say, our church isn't like that. Our church isn't like that. We don't have 22 people doing all the work and 22,000 lazy people. Most of all of you are already doing what I'm talking about today. I'm just trying to encourage you to keep doing it. Don't stop. You can't do everything unless you're Nell Hartgraves. <laughs> she thinks she can, but she can't even do everything. But see, we all care about all these people. I listed some of them. There's a bunch more. And we care, and you can't do every single thing, and you can't do all the things I just listed. You can't run around taking care of everybody all the time. It depends on how well you know the people, how much time and resources you have in your life. But the point that I'm trying to make this morning is to think. Put ourselves in their shoes. Be creative and do something. Do something, because doing matters. When people are sick, there are things they need done, and they don't feel like doing them. What's the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Because when you do something, that's the same thing that Jesus did. He touched the woman. He did something. He didn't just have good intentions or have a good heart or felt sorry for her or just said, hey, let me know anything you need. Call me anytime and I'll be there. No, he did something. And I want to tell you this. You will touch people who are sick when you offer to do things without being asked. Another thing about this text is that the woman is healed at the synagogue. The woman's healed at the synagogue. It's likely that she's there every Saturday. Now, the text doesn't say that. But the people don't seem surprised to see her. And they say, look, you got six other days. I mean, they're like, you know, we, it's kind of, probably they know her, and she's around all the time. Do you think this woman who'd been crippled, bent over for 18 years, is that what it said, 18, 18 years? I don't remember, honestly, but I'm also checking to see if you guys are listening or not. Okay, so does it say 18? Yes, thank you. Okay, so she's been bent over all this time. I want to ask you this question. Do you think she felt like going to church on Saturday? I doubt it. She might have some days when she did, but there was probably a lot of days 
a lot of Saturdays she did not feel like getting ready and going. And I got to tell you this, there is so, I, I just believe with all my heart, there is so much value in being part of a church family. I'm talking to the choir here because you're all here this morning. Some of you might not be a part of a church family, and if, you, if you're not, I'm telling you, with everything I believe, it's one of the greatest things that God has given us on the earth is a church family. There's great encouragement and care that happens during our time spent together here. When we gather together and when we join together, coming to worship is an opportunity to bless other people, to listen to other people, to pray with other people, to encourage those who are sick and weary and frail and feeble. And you know as well as I do, who gets the biggest blessing out of that? We do. We do whenever we reach out and we give, whenever we reach out and we care. We receive a lot of encouragement from seeing one another at church. I've heard a lot of people ask that question in the last decade. Ah, oh, what's, what's the point of going to church? I've heard all that stuff. You guys are just going to say the same thing I've heard all my life. I don't really need that anymore. My kids are raised. Kind of got them through the youth group. And so I don't really, you know, I, I'm doing fine. I can read the Bible on my own. I can just go do my own thing. But I want to tell you this, and I, I know you're going to agree with me. For me today, to see Lila Mayo sitting in this church encourages me. It encourages me because I know she had to work hard to come worship God today. And it wasn't easy for her to get here. And it makes, it encourages me. It makes me want to worship God because Leela is here worshiping God. There's some families who are here today and they have little young kids. And it was hard for them to get here today. Do you remember that? Amy remembers that. <laughs> Amen. And it is encouraging to me that those families are here. That they made the effort, that they got up, and they went through all that work because they wanted to come and worship. It makes me want to worship God even more. There are some single people here today. And they woke up, and there was no one else at the house to encourage them. Get up and let's go. There was no one else holding them accountable. And some of them had to probably go through a pretty emotional thing of, am I actually going to go or not? And they had to work hard to be here. And it encourages me that you single people are here today. In this story, church is the place where the healing comes. It's the place where a crooked and crushed spine is healed and made straight. It's the place where bondage that has lasted 18 years is loosed. Now, God can heal us anywhere. God can heal anybody he wants, anytime he wants, any place he wants. That's God's business. That isn't my business. But being here, worshiping, and with God's people is a posture of humility. It's a place of making ourselves available for his work in our hearts and our lives. For the miracle of healing in our bodies and in our hearts from sickness and from weariness, from crooked ways and from bondage, being here offers God the opportunity to do whatever work he wants to do in us. Going to worship God is important, and I encourage you to keep doing it. I'm glad you're here today, whoever you are. And the last thing about this text is that the woman immediately praised God. Immediately! It's natural to think of God when we're sick, when we're feeble, when we're weary, when we're tired, when we're 
having a horrible time in our life to beg for his help, to pray and make promises and seek after him. It's so natural. It's the natural thing for everybody to do. It's not so natural to praise him and thank him after he answers, after we're healed. It's so easy to just go on. Ah, all right, that's better. I can go on with my life just like I've been doing. And again, that's a great reason to be a regular part of a church family where we're reminded often of the work that God is doing all the time. I have to just say that I'm, I'm proud of Mike and Kathy Davis. I feel proud of them because they have continued to praise God for what God did, the miracle of healing Kathy. They have continued to praise God. They didn't just beg and ask and plead and get prayers, and then when it was over, they went on with their life right back to normal. They have begged. I mean, they have, they have praised. And, and I don't know how many of you have seen on Facebook. I think a bunch of you have. If you haven't and you're not on Facebook, then you still you could repent today. Come on down front, and we'll get you a Facebook account. No, I'm just kidding. But they're doing something great on Facebook. They're using Facebook for something so good. They are starting on the day, one year after the diagnosis came of Kathy's cancer, they started writing a story on Facebook about all the things that God did one year ago. One year later, they're still praising God. Today, if you know, if you know someone who's sick, the point of the lesson is go help them. Figure out a way. Leave this place and don't be comfortable without helping people that need your help. And if you're sick, what's the point of today? Well, I encourage you to do what the Bible says to do. And that is what we read in the book of James that Freddie read for us. Is anyone sick? He should call the elders of the church to anoint him with oil and pray over him. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, and the sick person will be made well. I have to just read you a little bit of what Mike and Kathy have written on Facebook, and I've got their permission to do this. Our elders are very glad to pray over anyone who's sick and anoint them with oil. They've done that many times because that's what the Bible says to do. And it's not magic. It's not some little formula. It's not a quarter in the God machine. Oh, we put our little oil quarter in the God machine. You have to do what you said, God. It's just faith. That's all it is. It's just saying we're going to do what the Bible says. And God, we leave it up to you, whatever happens. We trust you. We have faith in you. And so that's why we're going to humble ourselves. And we're going to do what the Bible says. This is what Mike writes about the day that the elders anointed Kathy with oil here at church. He says, I remember vividly everyone gathered in the office and, and Kat was sitting in a chair and the oldest of our elders took some oil and anointed Kat's head and then started praying. And when he finished, another would start and then another and on and on and on. And I have to admit, I can't remember much of the prayers, but I can still to this day in my mind's eye see Patricia Chesser kneeling in front of Kat in that chair, holding her hands, praying fervently for her, comforting her. The whole experience was pretty amazing. And then he says, as we headed out of the church building that day, so many people came and hugged us. 
and gave us cards. We felt so loved. I have to say right here, I don't know how folks with no church family and no faith to lean on make it through a time like this. Folks signed up, he said, to help us when we came home with meals and they were asking what else they could do to help. And when we went home that Sunday, we knew Cat had a rough patch ahead, but we knew we had a greater God than this trouble. And nobody had a stronger family of believers to help them than we did. Kathy said this, I remember the whole experience as being so touching and powerful, such a comfort to have the leaders of our family taking time to pray for me. I can't put it into words, the feeling of reassurance and just really being able to not only hear but feel their prayers. Amazing. Patricia holding my hands, others taking turns in prayer, the anointing with oil. It was overwhelming. I remember coming home so comforted, strengthened, and feeling more able to face whatever, whatever might come. With God, Mike, and my family by my side, I felt I could do whatever I have to do. It just blew me away, all the offers for food, for people to come stay with me after we got home, even offers to come clean my house. All the promised prayers for so from so many made me feel stronger because I knew those promises would be kept. And again, it was so far from anything else that I've ever experienced. All of it truly made apparent to me that God is truly parent, is truly present among his people. Wow. The word in James about if a sick person, are you sick? Then you should pray. And then when it says, in a, a little bit later when it says, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, a, 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 a literal translation of that in the Greek language would be that the weary person will be restored. The weary person will be restored. It's up to God about whether what kind of healing he brings. Whatever physical healing he brings is temporary. Kathy still is going to die. Someday. Whatever he does about healing, if he does it now, if he does it big, if he does it small, if he doesn't do it, that is his business. Our place, our place is to trust him, to call on his name, to pray, to ask for his help. That's our place. And trust that the weary will be restored. In our sickness and weakness, Jesus cares about us. And he's still willing to touch us. You and I get the great privilege of praising him when people ask, how did you get well? How did you get healed? We get the privilege of praising God. Or how are you facing this situation with such strength? We get the privilege of answering with the name of Jesus coming across our lips. Where do you find the strength and joy in the midst of your illness? And we get the name of Jesus can come across our lips. We get to praise because Jesus cares. We get to speak the name of Jesus who has touched us with words. We get to speak it. And with our lives, we get to speak the name of Jesus. And I'm here to tell you today, there's no sweeter name than that name. If you need prayers today, our elders are always ready to pray over you. They'll be here to pray. We trust God to give a good answer. Let's stand and let's sing. No sweeter name than the name of Jesus. No sweeter name have 